So, welcome to another episode of Let Me Say This. This is your host, Tony Kristen Walker. And today, I have my one of my favorite uh, uh, guests in the house, my pastor <laughs> and friend, Dave Barnhart. How's it going, Dave? It's going great. It's good to be here. Good to have you here. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It has been. So, uh, so I, I brought Dave in today to specifically talk about some things. Uh, you know, he is an ordained minister, and we know that we have a separation between church and state, <laughs> supposedly. Supposedly. You know, as long as you're not, as long as you're not in the, uh, uh, as long as you're not um, the majority, you can't have a say. Is what it mm-hmm. sounds like most of the time. So, um, but what I really want to talk about today is something that I'm starting to see a lot of in social media. We've already had issues with, with tribalism and just people just doing just crazy stuff, but it's like like amped up a whole nother notch. Oh, yeah. Um, and now I'm starting to see, so I made a post the other day, it was part of a series of posts, but one of my posts, uh, said that, uh, I see a lot of people not necessarily, um, fighting for freedom, but for privilege. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm noticing like, even with the, the, the thing that got me most is this whole Bernie or bust notion that mm-hmm. people have. And where does that come from? Like, I don't, I, I've been trying to figure out, but I, I, and again, we all know that correlation does not mean causation, but I have noticed that most of the people who are burning a bust have a couple things in common. Most of them are young. There are some old fools out there, but most of them are young. Overwhelming majority of them are white. And if they're not white, they are from some other marginalized community that has never had to deal with systemic racism in the way that that my generation and the generations before me have dealt with so it's like mm-hmm. you know it's got to be this way or we're just gonna burn it all up mm-hmm. and i think it comes from like the way that racism works in this country mm-hmm. uh racism uh toxic masculinity you know they're like inbred cousins what is your take on that situation yeah. well so i mean i i would start off by first first by saying yeah, I know there are some. I wouldn't say all Bernie supporters are Bernie or bust folks. Obviously. Not all of them. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. You, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, I know yeah. what you mean. And I, I think the other clarification I want to make is that there's there are there are other like there are Biden or bust supporters, and that's dumb too. Yang, but or those bust. those. Yeah. Oh, but I think my point is those or bust people all yeah. have the same characteristics. I think you're right. So I do think you're right. I think it's. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, privilege in there. I you know some people. So I I talked to you about this uh, the other day about the 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 Romans destroying Jerusalem in 70 AD. So I mean I go back to biblical history, right? So there were a group of the the Jews up rose up against the Romans to kick them out and there were several factions. There were zealots, there were uh Sicarii, there were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I mean you know the names in the Bible. But so there's like these four or five different factions and there's a group in Jerusalem that's frustrated that the other Jews won't fight with them. And so they decide the best way is just to make things more desperate. Mm. So the Romans are encamped outside the city of Jerusalem. And uh, the people who are the the really radicals, uh, the firebrands, say, what we need to do to make these people more desperate so that they'll fight is set fire to our own food supply. 
And so I, you know, and, and so it, it was, it was crazy. Blank was, or bust. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, well you've chosen bust. I mean, right. it was like, uh, and, and not that they would have survived anyway, because the Roman army was camped outside their walls. But the fact is you had some people who said, well, the only way we can make these people do what we want them to do is to make them more desperate. Um, so I think, I think there's a mixture of motivations. I do think there is a lot of privilege. Um, the, the great, there was a fantastic article um, where someone was, I, I can't remember the reference, but uh, I shared it the other day, that, um, a re, that some people were saying that uh, the North Carolina voters were uh, black voters that supported Biden were, quote, low-information voters. Right. Well, North or South Carolina? Uh, the South Carolina. South Carolina, that's right, right, right. pardon me. And so, um, and, and the response was, uh, I, I think it was the editor of The Root said, um, these older black folk know what a lot of young folk don't, which is right. they can't trust. They might like Bernie's policies. They may they may love Bernie's policies, but they can't trust that uh, that white people will support it. And so it really comes down to I'm voting I'm voting for someone based on what I think my neighbor thinks, and that's really hard. Like I'm trying to I'm guessing what they think, um, and anytime you have a situation like that. Um, you know, it's, it's hurtful. I mean, to me, I think, oh my God, well, not, no shock. Older <laughs> black people think white people are racist. I'm stunned. <laughs> you know, why so, would they think that? <laughs> so they're going to choose a sa- someone who represents safety. Right. I also think there's so much anxiety right now. I mean, it's just, there's a constant stream of, of angst being pumped into us that, um, you know, people have very different reactions. Some people panic. Uh, some people, some people run toward, run into the house, right. uh, and and die in the flames. Some people put on their own gas mask first, uh, or I mean, they fail to put on their own gas mask first, and so you know they don't put it on their ch- child. We we panic, right? And so, I, but I do. It's a mix of panic and prejudice. I mean, I, it's two p words. I'm like a preacher or something. <laughs> panic, prejudice, and Sound like plus, a uh, yeah, I got to come up with another p word. But but I mean, so so I mean, those are those are all great points, and mm-hmm. you haven't said anything that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like even when it comes to the thought process behind the whole blank or bus, because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say Bernie or bus, it's blank right. or bus. Sure. You know, we know that if we bust, we all get put in the shit. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, all of our lives become that much worse. Mm. And for people to have that type of selfish mentality, like, literally, I've seen some people who are just absolutely resolute mm-hmm. in that I'm going to vote for it. And one of my friends was, like, a Biden or bust person. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call him out because he might listen to this podcast. <laughs> But he's a really good friend of mine. He's very well politically ca- uh, connected. Mm-hmm. And as much as I don't like Bernie, mm-hmm. if he gets the nomination, I'm voting for him. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, you yes. know? <laughs> and, and, and it's right. not, and you know, and also I've, I've been watching the Hillary Clinton special they have on on, uh, on Hulu. I'm like on episode one and a half. But she said something that people don't want to admit. People don't like Bernie. Mm-hmm. It is not his policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> it's not his policies. They don't. It's him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like literally, it's him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the latter half, she was saying that you know he was been in Congress for like thirty years, never did anything, always, but nobody likes him. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that people like that are. I, don't know, I think he's a dangerous candidate at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. 
I think he's really dangerous. I think he's almost, in some ways, as dangerous as Trump is. Oh, okay. I can't go with you there. But uh, I, I th- so, and part of me would love, I would love to live in a world where we would elect a curmudgeonly New York Jewish guy, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I don't, I don't think we live in that world. I just, and it, it makes me sad because, um, uh, so one of my, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I love people. Right. <laughs> I love cantankerous people. Um, I wish we would, I wish we would stop voting for, for, uh, the, uh, the pretty lockable, jock, lockable pre- pretty jocks for the class president, right. you know, or, um, you know, whatever it's the, the, the popularity, this person feels like someone I like, I would rather vote for someone who's competent, you know, especially considering what we got right now, who's right. neither charismatic oh, nor competent, but you know, I, I um, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's tough. We we know from research that people vote, uh, usually vote for people who are prettier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just which again, I don't understand how we got what we got, but <laughs> but like if you Money. Have, if you have yeah, well, if you have pictures of people and you ask folks to to vote for the candidate, um, they'll vote for the one that's more conventionally beautiful. Oh, let me tell you something. There was a um. I think it was in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, the Today Show was doing this thing on um, on on jobs and people interviewing. Mm-hmm. Pretty people get jobs quicker than uglier people. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. they consider to be pretty, like the, the biological standard for beauty mm-hmm. is symmetry. Mm-hmm. So the people who we feel like are the most beautiful have per- almost perfectly symmetrical faces. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the more... Off symmetry, your face. It, it, look at pictures. I'm telling you, it's, mm-hmm. it's the real deal. Like the more off uh, symmetry there is in the face, sure. the less attractive we 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 uh, we we think people are. But in this little, um, I wouldn't call it a serious research study, but they really sent people out resumes exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, races exactly the same, and it was always the people who had what we considered to be classically. Mm-hmm more beautiful like they were the people who always got the job so there's literally some fact behind that yeah yeah i so i people's preference you know likability um i'm literally look if i make it through life and people just love me like i don't have any enemies then i screwed up you know so i I need to piss some people off if i'm going to be effective (laughs) but yeah I, i i don't know in terms of in terms of candidates and presidents um i do getting back to your original point i think I think saying someone or bust um, ignores that part of the political process is you collaborate with people you don't necessarily like. Right. And if if you've got if if I have a goal and you have a goal and our goals diverge, that's fine. But is are there some goals that we can work together on? Uh, I mean, I will fight like hell for against you right, right, <laughs> on right. some situations. But um, you know, in community organizing, they say no permanent allies, no permanent enemies. Mm. And for people to say, no, this person's my permanent enemy. Well, okay, fine. You know, you just made yourself that much less effective. I, politically, that's just not going to work. And I'm saying this as a preacher, right? right? Now, and, and the difference between preaching and policy is I can be as idealistic as I want to, but when I get into a group of people and I have to, I have to with that group come to a decision. Right. I can't afford to say. You're, you are my enemy forever. Anyway, yeah. No, I think I think that I think that I think that that actually has a lot of uh, truth. And well, it's the truth. I'm not gonna say it has a lot of truth in it, but it is the truth. And especially when you talk about politics, because 
when you think about why our our government is not working, mm-hmm. it's because we've gone to our corners and say it's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though some of the collaborations Joe did back in the day were not necessarily the best. Oh, absolutely. But he has shown and demonstrated where he can talk to people who don't have the same ideas as he does and can be effective. I don't I don't see Bernie doing it. His followers definitely don't. Sure. The mass the vast majority of them really don't. Yeah. Um and, and for me that that's what makes him dangerous. Well, like I don't think that even if he if he loses the nomination, which he's not guaranteed to lose, mm-hmm. but if he loses the nomination, I don't see him having the heart or even the control over the people who are his followers to get to rally them back mm-hmm. and get you know the democratic agenda pushed through sure which is getting rid of donald trump well yeah so i, I think so that's one of those things again it's 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 tough because all right two two things real quick so uh jimmy carter once came and talked to our seminary class because we were in atlanta mm-hmm. and we were at emory and he came and spoke to our um our, our seminary and he asked this question. He said, who do you think has done more good in the world, politicians or preachers? And, of course, all the preacher students just laugh. And he said, I don't think it's funny. I think it's politicians. And then he went on to say basically what I, what I just said, which is you can preach all day long. But politics means it's the art of compromise. Right. And, you know, even though I may not get everything I want. And essentially, he was saying it's easy to be an idealist when you're in a pulpit. It's, hard to be, it's harder to, to do that when you're, when you're on the floor. But the, on the other side of that, though, so that's that's point number one. On right. the other side of that is, you know, Donald Trump shows up saying we're going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it, and of course everyone laughs and thinks that's nuts. But the fact is that's what he leads with, and then he he'll, he'll negotiate down to making you pay for it. Right? How the hell does that work? Like, I mean, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Oh, okay, and you'll elect me, and they say, okay, actually you're gonna pay for it. If you, if but you, there's another thing he does that he 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 blames not it not mm-hmm. being paid for on somebody else, hundred percent, and then comes back and asks his followers to pay for it. Exactly, what that, that looks like. So I, you know, and I don't think he's that great a negotiator. He can't make it. He can't make a deal out of a paper sack, obviously. Like but idiot. you know, the Middle East peace deal with the Taliban, whatever, or the deal with North Korea. But but what he does well is he makes these extravagant promises, or he goes to an extreme and then he negotiates back. And what happens with with progressives is they start off negotiating instead of asking for an extreme. Right. So I think you need somebody. Now again, I I'm, I think you need somebody to say no. We're going to have universal health care, and let everyone else say, oh, that's not possible. We do, we need to you know come up with something. You know we're going to make a deal with the devil, the insurance companies, whose job it is to deny you care. Like their job is to take your money and say I'm going to give it to you later, and then not give it to you. Right. That's how insurance companies make money. And we think somehow we pay twice as much for worse health care than any other industrialized country. <laughs> so you need somebody coming in saying, no, damn it, we're going to have Medicare for all. Now, again, I, th- I think you, you have to have that recognizing that you're probably not going to get it. <laughs> you know, you have to go, but you have to ask for it or not ask for it. You have to demand it if you're going to get it. And that, so I don't know how this plays out. So I think anyway. so. So on the whole, Medicare, Medicare for all thing. I think that we say Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. We say you know nobody should have private insurance, mm-hmm. and that literally scares the shit out of people. Oh yeah. But here's the problem with that. 
like I think, and it's, I felt the same way about the ACA. I love this ACA. I think had mm-hmm. the Republicans not done all the work against it, it would be a much better system than it is it was, now. It was their plan. Yeah, it yeah. was their yeah. plan. But, you know, racism, right? Yes, right, exactly. You know, that black man came up with this, so let's fuck it up is what they pretty much did. That's pretty much it. But, like, even when you talk about universal health care or, mm-hmm. or Medicare, Medicare for all, People feel like that if we say we're going to this Medicare for all, then all of these people who work for Blue Cross, who work for mm-hmm. Aetna, who work for United Healthcare, mm-hmm. all these people will no longer have a job. Mm-hmm. That's not true. But right. nobody's talking about that. Yes, right. Those companies will still exist because you know who's managing Medicare? Blue fucking Cross. Yes, yes. Yes. Like nobody is talking about that. And so right. it really pains me that even progressives with these with these pie in the sky ass ideas that they have, they don't even know how to no. vocalize it to people to make they people are thinking, okay, we do Medicare for all, then all these insurance companies are gonna go out of business, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna lose my right. job. That's not how this works. That's right, that's right. Well and, and you know the the crazy thing is same thing, if you for some reason that becomes a sticking point, that becomes a talking point. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna lose jobs. Whereas with all the policies we've we've advocated in the last 40, 50 right, years, right. Uh, are, which are about factors, selling factories overseas, they're like, oh, well, well, we'll make more jobs. You know, how come we're, how come when Republicans argue it, it's always, we'll just make more jobs. Right. But when progressives argue it, it's suddenly, oh, well, all these people are going to be out of work. Yeah, exactly. Well, but, but, but because they, they, ha- they do a horrible job. Of putting that, one of the biggest problems with President Obama's uh, term for me was the piss poor job that they did at selling the ACA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that they did not do a great enough job in explaining it from the forefront. Mm-hmm. I wish he had never told people they could keep the same insurance that they have, the same rate, because even without the ACA, we still didn't do that on a year-to-year basis. No, absolutely. I can't, I can't get the same insurance I got last you year. Absolutely, you absolutely cannot. Right. So, you know, it's almost like they're, they're like, I just, someone, someone on anybody's team needs to be a professional marketer. Mm-hmm. As a professional marketer, which I did for years, I know how to sell features and benefits for people. Mm-hmm. Like, I can tell you all day long that, okay, you're going to have free health care. Mm-hmm. That's a benefit. Mm-hmm. The feature is telling you how you're going to get that. Mm-hmm. So you can have it through your employer. You can have it through the government. Hell, you can make up your own... No one did that for the ACA, and mm-hmm. I think that was a huge mistake. Just like I think it's a huge mistake right now for us to be talking about Medicare for all without explaining to people that the people working in the healthcare, health insurance industry are not going to lose their jobs. Right. Like, no one has said that. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of ideas that they have that I'm kind of looking kind of wonky-eyed at, but, like, even with the free college tuition or making college affordable – there are ways that we can do that without going broke. Mm-hmm. But nobody really talks about that. Yeah. And for Bernie's plan, for you to say that you're going to raise taxes on middle-class people, mm-hmm. no, that's a no-go. Yes, you can't. It's a non-starter. It's a non-starter. Yeah. It's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. You know, no, who's talking about flat tax right now? Nobody. Mm-hmm. You know what a flat tax would do? It would, it would destroy us. Huh? It you would destroy us, though. You think yeah. so? Yeah, yeah. Flat t- no, like a 10% tax? Yeah, why, why do you yeah, think it would destroy us? Because it's not, it's not a progressive tax. It would, be, it would apply to the people on the bottom end just as much as the top end. But think about this though, because this this is this is this is our first argument. Okay. So so like so like if if you did a right now the people at the top aren't paying anything, you know. And right now we're paying 
Did you see the? Uh, and I'm not a big TD TD Jakes fan. Mm-hmm. Did you see that uh, thing with him talking about um, taxes with Paula White? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! No, I didn't. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> and you gonna make me find it? Okay. Well, let's, uh, we <laughs> but on. he was talking about how we pay like the average citizen pays about forty percent of in their taxes now. Mm-hmm. So we took that forty down mm-hmm. to ten, and then took the rich people from nothing up to at least ten to fifteen. I don't see where that would not work. Yeah, I would. What I would do is, in terms of tax policy, what I would do is take the cap off of Social Security and let it go, go way up the chain, and then have have a very high marginal tax rate on top end. Okay, like, so so explain something to me. So when you mm-hmm. say take the cap off Social Security. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. So you only pay Social Security on your first eighty six thousand dollars, something like that, and then uh, any and then anything beyond that is no longer taxed, no longer has Social Security tax applied Seriously? to it. Seriously? Yeah. So if you make a million bucks, your only your Social Security tax only applies to like the first $86,000. Dude, now, I know that. And that's now, stupid. Okay. As someone who's self-employed, you know, I pay 15% or more sell, uh, uh, Social Security tax. I don't pay a lot of income tax. Almost all my taxes are um, Medicare and Social Security. So, you know, when I think, oh, I'm paying all this, you know, why, why is someone up on the top end not also paying into social security which is supposed to be for me and for the you know people who can't right, right, people right. on the bottom you know we're not I'm not the bottom 10% but you know what I'm saying We're the people who aren't millionaires right. are supposed to be able to benefit from social security um but the billionaires aren't paying uh, someone someone like um Bloomberg is only paying social security tax on his first $86,000 and if you're making most of your money from investments and you're just you're you're just paying capital gains tax 15% so, I mean, why, <laughs> how come I'm being taxed at a higher rate than on all my income than Bloomberg is? Now, here's the thing that makes me mad, though, is that people who are billionaires, who are apologists for billionaires, will say, well, look, these poor billionaires are paying for most of the federal government. Well, if you have most of the wealth, of course you're paying for most of the right, federal government. Right, right, right. So like, it's like you can't, you can't squeeze money from a stone, right? So you've got these people, oh, poor, poor them. They're supporting most of the federal government. Well, it's because they have all the wealth. Anyway. Which they should. I mean, I, I think that they should. You mean should pay for the federal government? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got all the yes. money. What else are you going to do? Yes, yes. You know, I, I, there's, oh, my God, that's a whole, we, go ahead. We are in an oligarchy. I mean, this is an oligarchy. Yeah, and, by uh, definition. Yeah, so I think, getting back to the tribalism thing, I think, you know, when you're living in an oligarchy, um, and, and you have a bunch of people who are, who are being oppressed, you have a variety of strategies. And um, th- as you ramp up the pressure, <clears throat> then even someone who might be my ally begins to look more like an enemy. And, and I do think you know, our, our divergent interests become much more accentuated. So someone who is, someone who is white and privileged isn't going to see that you know, this, this strategy hurts my neighbor, right? you know, because from, from their perspective, oh, obviously this is going to help you in the long run. So <laughs> don't actually don't try to convince me of it. I don't want to be don't like, hear like, I don't want to hear it. So I think that's, the, I think that's where we are politically. And it, mm. it's just a hard, it's a hard space. If we weren't facing, you know, climate change and massive wealth inequality and perpetual war, uh, I think things would be a lot better. I think we'd be able, it's like, if, it's like a, a, a stressed family. If you take a family and you, you put them in poverty and um, you, you make them unemployed right. and they get a health, someone has a health problem and someone else is an addict, that's not a stable family. They're going to turn on each other. Right. And that's, that's the situation we are in. We are, we are um, 
a dysfunctional poverty, fam dysfunctional family under huge stress. And um, I think it's like, you know, you got your crazy uncle Eddie or whatever. Um, then the next thing you know, you got a murder-suicide going yeah, yes, on. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Well, look, we're going to take a break and um, come back and um, and talk about some other stuff. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Thanks. Do you have an active sex life? PrEP is a once-a-day pill that prevents HIV and is now available at the Livewell PrEP Clinic on the south side of the hub. PrEP is safe for men and women who have active sex lives and want to decrease their chances of contracting HIV. For more information about PrEP and the Living Well PrEP Clinic, call 205-324-9822 or go to www.gcpm.com and click on appointments. Or if you just need to get tested, call us. All right, yep. <laughs> All right so we are back. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, Let Me Say This. Please be sure to check out the other podcasts that are produced by He Hutch Productions. That includes <laughs> Same Crowd. <laughs> he Hutch. That's I cute. It. I like that. Uh, that includes Same Crowd, Different Day, and then Sculpt with Shad, uh, which is a spinoff from Same Crowd, Different Day. We can claim that because Rashad actually started Same Crowd, Different Day with us. <laughs> so check those out. Uh, I may put some uh, links in the description of this podcast. So. We're going to move away from the political and go into the spiritual. So, um, Dave is like my, my resident religious guy. And we talked about a lot of things that people have issues with in the Bible and how some of it is not even, you know, supported by what the Bible says. So, right now, people are losing their mind, black people in particular, over... Um, Jamal Bryant calling out Christians who burn sage, and he says it's a form of witchcraft, witchcraft and satanic aromatherapy, like, you know, <laughs> essential oils for the devil. And, uh, <laughs> and and this is interesting because just a couple of months ago, there was a local pastor here, um, I want to say Darius Moore, had put out this whole list on Facebook of things that people shouldn't do, and people were like, wait a minute, bro, like, where this came from? He also mentioned uh, smudging or burning sage. So, Dave, mm -hmm. tell me about the the biblical inferences of smudging or burning sage, and then we'll go into these issues around it. Yeah, well, so in in the Bible, it's not not so much sage, but you know, frankincense and myrrh, and uh, the things that were actually brought to Jesus, uh, sweet smelling incense. You go to I think Exodus 30, uh, 35, somewhere around there. It talks about I mean, their whole chapter is devoted to incense and how you should offer incense. And the idea was the smoke, which is, you know, that's kind of when you light incense, that kind of slowly drifting smoke, which is the same stuff you get with sage, was supposed or to, or, well, or weed, <laughs> indicates uh, the smoke that kind of, that sticky smoke kind of indicates the movement of the wind or the spirit. Um, and so that was a way that you would invoke the presence of God. So... Um, we even talk, the Psalms talk about our prayers ascending like a sweet-smelling offering. That's, that's a reference to incense. Um, burning sage is the same kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's an herb you can get from your garden. Uh, we grow sage in our garden. So um, absolutely, I think it, it's, it's, I don't see any difference between that and incense. I think the, the fear that preachers express is that this is a foreign practice. Like, and, and not so much that it's a foreign practice, but specifically that people who um, might not want to participate in my spiritual authority, that might not want to come to my church and right. give tithe to my organization, they're going to take their own spiritual practices and leave, right? And they may, actually, they may have spiritual authority 
or do these spiritual practices that are more attractive than the same old crap that I'm doing. And that's, that's threatening. I think that's for, for people who are used to a certain amount of, um, of power in their communities, if, uh, if there's an alternative, right, uh, or if there's other voices they're listening to, that's threatening to me. Um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. So, you know, it, I've seen a lot of, like, Catholic services mm-hmm. on television. I think I actually went to one Catholic wedding. Mm-hmm. And Catholics burn incense all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so why is why <laughs> are Protestant preachers, yeah. uh, what's their, their issue with that? I think it seems too exotic. So back in the, you know, the Reformation, too, it was like, it's all about the book. It's all about reading scripture. Right. So, um, you know, in fact, there were times when they, they got rid of all the icons because, well, well, that's that's against God because it's making images, um, making graven images. Right. They got rid of the smells and bells is what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and a lot of the pageantry. Right. We're going to go real simple. We're going to have, you know, come and sing three songs and have a sermon, you know. That that's, that's the, um, the, the model that lasted for so long. But I think it's important to say these are just practices. I mean, right. this is like, like prayer. Um, meditation. Uh, like meditation. Yoga. Well, yeah. I mean, these, these are spiritual practices. Um, and, and a spiritual practice is not a religion. Like a spiritual practice doesn't have a whole belief structure attached to it. So like I can pray if I'm Hindu. I can pray if I'm Jewish. I can pray if I'm Christian. Right. I can meditate if I'm Christian. I can meditate if I'm Hindu. I can burn sage or incense if I'm Christian or Hindu or whatever. Um, these are just practices that people do. Um, are there some practices that might specifically be opposed to Christian theology? Sure. But burning sage? No. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, now, maybe sacred prostitution. That might right. be a practice that yeah. would be against Christian uh, theology. But um, uh, yeah, it's just kind of nuts. But, I mean, I, I, there, there's also, like, an element of control Absolutely. that you kind of, like, alluded to. So, like... What I thought, what I've realized is that anytime people who feel like they should be able to tell you what to do realize there's some things you're gonna do whether they like it or not, then yes. it becomes a problem for them. And so, like, mm-hmm. with, like for for Pastor Brian and even other pastors who have a, a, a issue with that, there are a lot of practices that go on in churches mm-hmm. that I'm not a member of that I don't particularly care for or understand mm-hmm. or wonder why people are doing it. Snake it, handling. Snake handling. I mean, <laughs> right. the whole speaking spe- in tongues. The, tongue, the oh, yeah. whole speaking in tongues thing. Sure. Like, oh, my God. Like, that bothers me on a whole nother unworldly level sure. because it's totally, the way that it is practiced in, I'm sorry if you Kojic and or even Baptist people do it. Right. I'm sorry if this offends you. But this is a total bastardization and misinterpretation of what the word says. Well, and so like, but even regardless of your theological belief, I would never say that a Pentecostal isn't Christian. No, right? No. And I would, and if even though I might not, I might not pray to icons. Or, I would, or I, do that practice? Right. Yes. Exactly. That's not that's not my practice. Right. But if it's good for you, if it helps you get closer to God, go do it and have fun. You know, or if someone prays to icons, if that's your thing, go go do it. If you want to. Not all spiritual practices are going to speak to all people. Right. And I think it's really arrogant for me to say, like, you can only come to God the way I say that you can come to God. Um, and uh, oh, especially if it's a practice like that, which is, has plenty of historical precedent. It, it does, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going back to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the situation for what it, where it arises from is mm-hmm. the day of Pentecost. And it's mm-hmm. like, those people were talking in languages that they were not, 
talk and they were talking to each other and they understood. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening in these churches sure. that practice that. And so, like, for me, if you're going to say that you were, especially with, like for these biblical pl- um, purists, mm-hmm. like, it, it, it's hypocritical at most. Mm-hmm. And, but if this is something that you do, that's fine. But don't stop saying that other people can't go to heaven because they're not, well, they can't do it. Or they're not saved. Like, the only way you can be saved is speaking of something. Like, seriously? Like, get yeah. out of here with that. I think that's the same kind of arrogance. So I would, just like I wouldn't say someone right, right, who right. speaks in tongues is making a mistake, I wouldn't want someone who speaks in tongues saying, am I not speaking in tongues? Oh, but that's some, what they do, though. Well, I, I, I understand that. I understand that. But it's just, it's a practice. Look, not everyone's going to do that. Right. Some of us, some of us can sit down, we can, we can kneel and we can pray for four hours at a time. You know, some of us, our prayers are like, okay, thanks, God. Yeah. You Yay, know, God. It's, it's like 30 seconds, you know. So some of us are going to be prayer warriors. Some of us are not. Um, I, I just think it is far be it for me to tell you. You know what? How how God wired you? You know, so oh, so let me say something else about. Let me say something else. I'm, I'm, let me say this. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's the name of the so, podcast. Okay. Let me say this. So, um, uh, uh, speaking in tongues goes goes way back before Christianity. Goes back to the ancient Greeks. I mean, so they would you would go visit a, a prophet or a seer, and they would you know in yeah hear this at Delphi. You know they would they would smell the fumes coming up from Delphi, and then they would speak in tongues. And then you would have a priest who'd say, "Oh, this." They would interpret for you, and then you pay them some money because you got your prophecy, and you go. Right. And they would tell you, "You're going to kill your uh, father and marry your mother." And then Oedipus <laughs> would go and do it. You know, so he saw this. He saw this coming. So anyway, so so this this speaking in tongues is a practice that goes way back. It also goes into into um, uh, animistic uh, religions and and other 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 religions have. Where the spirit comes and speaks through me. So this I'm throwing I'm fixing to throw you a curveball. Okay, so just that's watch, watch. Here it comes. Okay. But there are a lot of practices that people do, and again, they get on my nerves. This is something that we never talked about, so this is new today. Okay. But you know, we have breakfast at least once a week. Mm-hmm. We never pray before breakfast. Like we <gasps> never say oh. grace. I think God is gonna kill us both. <laughs> But so there are a lot of different schools of thoughts, even mm-hmm. on those practices. Yes. Like I have a friend that goes to the Baptist Church of the Covenant mm-hmm. and they don't do grace because they said that the Bible says you should pray in your secret closet. So mm-hmm. there's no public praying. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I don't care if you pray before your food or not. But what I don't like is when people do this, like I call it like a smug like grace. Mm-hmm. Like they look around the restaurant, make sure everybody's watching them. Right. Then everybody grabs hands yes. and it's like. Oh, girl, we see you go to church, you yes, know, yeah. but, and I don't have a problem with people who say mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. I may not do it all the time. I usually, and I honestly don't do it in public a whole lot because I think it just looks a little um, condescending to other people. And also there may be people who may not be Christians in the room. Yes. So like if we're doing, I, I don't know. What's your thought on that? Cause we never talked about that. Um, I actually have something I want to share with you real quick. <laughs> this, ahead, is, this, is, this is from the Bible. You ready for this? Come on, come okay. on. Uh, the Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. Uh, they saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean hands. They were eating without first ritually purifying their hands through washing. And you understand, so washing their hands, was, this is was not hygiene. This was prayer. Right, this right, is right. ritual, okay? Um, the Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat without first washing their hands, yada, yada, yada. Uh, verse 4, uh, let me jump down. Verse 5. So the Pharisees and legal experts asked Jesus, 
Why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eat food with ritually unclean hands? So they're all up in Jesus's case because his disciples aren't praying before they eat. Right. That's what it is. Uh, and he replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandment while holding on to rules created by humans and handed down to you. And he, he goes on, he rips them a new one, right? <laughs> but the whole idea is they're all on his disciples about this public display of re- religiosity. Why didn't they pray before they eat? Right. And Jesus says, get out of my face, <laughs> you <laughs> hypocrites. But that's exactly what you're talking about. Right, right, right. And so, so to get back to her point, like sometimes I pray before I eat, but it, I don't do it to impress other people. Right, right, right. That's, ah. Uh, and, and you know the people who do that. Like, yes. You've literally seen them like, oh, my God, here we go again. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, but, um, but, but the, again, those are practices just like smudging mm-hmm. and other things that people may or may not do. And just because you don't really see it, that doesn't mean that it's, it's bad. Like, mm-hmm. like I was telling you earlier, the whole thing, the, there was, I got to find that verse, but it says that, and it has been in the, in the New Testament because it says, because, you know, Christ has come to fulfill the promise. You know, we don't have to smudge anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you don't need to smudge or you can't smudge. It says that you don't have to. And a lot of times we talked about this a lot, how people take the Bible as being something that is prescriptive instead of mm-hmm. descriptive. Yeah. Like the, the mm-hmm. description here is that you don't have to. If we change that to prescriptive, then it's saying you don't, you should not. Right, right. Like you should not like, and that's what I think. That's what I think the pastor Brian has gotten wrong mm-hmm. is the fact that if you're looking at that particular phrase uh, verse as a reference point, don't make it anything more than what it says. Yeah, right. Exactly. Especially if it's intended to give you power over somebody else. Right. To me, that's the thing that pissed Jesus off the most. He was right. like, you guys are just using the law to oppress people. I mean, right. essentially you're using it to, to boost your own power and your own status. And that shows you don't really know who God is. I mean that's like that's 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 it that's that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. But yes, there are a lot of people going around like that, and uh, I just don't quite I don't know I don't quite get it. Yeah, but you know even when we look at religion, you know one of my biggest cri- criticisms about the way that religion is played out is that it usually is about power. Mm-hmm. You know we talked about it, and you know what's coming up with the United Methodist churches. Mm-hmm. We're, t- you know you can see power, you can see it happening. In just regular churches, there's a, a historic black church here, like one of the largest memberships in the city. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, it had a split. Mm-hmm. And the split came because their longtime pastor died. They got a new pastor that was really, really charismatic. People really, really liked him. And he wanted to change things. Mm-hmm. No, literally, like all my friends who went to that church, I always said that they had like these microwave services. Like mm-hmm. if you was in that church more than an hour, mm-hmm. something was wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, yeah, like, yeah. come in and get out. Mm-hmm. And you know, this preacher had the nerve to have a hour and a half service. Mm-hmm. Like what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it became a generational uh, divide where the older people wanted things to say like it was. Mm-hmm. The younger people liked the new stuff that you know Reverend Hoppin John was doing, mm-hmm. and it ended up splitting. Mm-hmm. And Splits are usually about power. Yeah. It's like, we don't like what you're doing, mm-hmm. and we don't like what you're doing, but you know what? Y'all can go do that mess over there. We're going to keep what we got right That's here. exactly right. It's, there's so much about power and status in it. And even in the, in the, in the Methodist church split, there was a, a large meeting at a, one of our larger churches 
um, here in town just a little while ago, and they they live streamed what the the speakers were saying. And one of the things they were saying was to to a lot of pastors essentially was after we get rid of all these liberal uh, flat they call them liberal flag waving pastors once they leave their pulpits, hey, guess what? You'll get to get into their pulpits. But so they, they don't mean, realize that their people are leaving with them. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, they 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 think the split is they think all the splitting is in their favor. So, you know, and they're, in, in some ways they may be right. There's probably slightly more conservative uh, church members. I think clergy, because clergy, they go to theology school, they get a little educated, they're actually interested in God. They, um, they sometimes will be a little more progressive, a little more liberation-oriented. Right. Um, but the, um, there are a lot of people who are, are participants in churches because they believe in civic religion, mom, God, and apple pie, right? <laughs> and so... So there, you know there might be there there might be uh, slightly more conservative folks, but the fact is it's going to hurt everybody because right. there's going to be a lot of people who just leave and they're not going to tell you why they leave. They're just not going to come back because they don't want to be part of a, a divisive, mean, angry church. Um, now you might get some folks, sure. The church of what's happening now might get people <laughs> from the church, but look, they're going after the same population of people which are right wing evangelicals, right. Which is a problem. Yeah, and they don't, and look, sixty percent of Southern Baptist people under the age of thirty have no problem with gay marriage. Sixty percent of Southern Baptists, right? And so when you think about like, what's going to happen demographically over the next 10, 20, 30 years, right? This, if you get a victory out of this, it's a short-term victory. Anyway, I you know, the the church we are in the middle of a reformation, and there's a counter-reformation. And I think, I don't know what the church is going to look like on the other side of this Reformation, but it ain't going to look like what it looks like now. Right. I think I want to get you and Henry in here one day to talk about that. I would love for the three of us to get yeah, together. I think, that would be fun. I think that might be something we need to, to hook up. Yeah. But look, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode, or this first episode for the week. I'm planning on doing another episode later on, like a special um episode because this is Women's History Month mm-hmm. and I really want to focus on some women's issues and I can't do that with me and Dave so I'm going to bring some real <laughs> women in here and talk about real live women <laughs> real live women to talk about their issues how novel is mm-hmm. that you know cool so um, uh, so look y'all be good we will catch y'all on the flip side and uh, we'll see you in a little bit peace <laughs>